0: I don't know where the goodness gone, but the Lord showed me the light. Told me he got my back, and I thanked him cause he saved me. Told me to stop smoking crack, and I told him I don't know maybe. I don't know what's going wrong, but I know what's going right. Like the feeling when a song hits you makes your spirit ignite. But I look
1: around me, and look what I see. It's a circus! In a six pack, it's and a six pack episode 150 here with Dan, aka NA Millennial, from the Millennial Media Offensive Podcast. How's it going? Dan?
2: It's going well. Uh, 150. I feel honored that you chose me for such a historic number.
1: It is pretty historic. It's not 133, but it's 150. That's almost as good.
2: Yeah, I agree.
1: Yeah, how you I been, agree man? With that.
2: I've been well. Been well. Uh, busy is all hell. Um, it's already summer here in St. Louis, so can't go outside without dying. Uh, yeah. But other than that, very good,
1: very chilling, well. How about yourself? chilling in the summertime? Chilling in the summertime, y'all. See, I, I think, um, I'm so. I, hopefully, there's somebody still listening to this stream. I'm doing good. I'm hoping there's somebody still listening to the stream because for the last two hours on the stream, since we. We had to push the show back two hours. People have, been, and, and me for the first time in years, have been listening to old music I've made. And uh, with the help of some friends who were pretty good on guitar. And and uh, man, it's, uh, a lot of that was hard to listen to. There was some stuff in there, some gems I found in there, but they were very few and far between. So hopefully people are still listening after all of that. And uh, I apologize. I apologize for all the people listening that had to endure that, but I'm glad you're still here if you are. To hear me and Dan talk about a bunch of things, or well, Dan and I—I I I have it's to say, Dan it. and
2: i isn't it? Dan and I—that's the—that is the proper uh, Queen's English. Um, but I, I think you're being hard on yourself. That was some really funky stuff, man. That, like you said, the chillin' in the summertime—I like that stuff a lot, <laughs> a lot.
1: Uh, I might just put that as the intro, yeah. Chillin', yeah. In the I
2: summertime. did, I did a few. There's a thing we call uh, at my high school. We had a Facebook group, and it was called Fatty Blunt Records. And Fattier we all wrote rap song. Fatty. F-A-T-T-Y. Fatty Blunt Records. Hell yeah. And I just did spoof rap songs. It was a good time.
1: We got to hear that. You got to link that.
2: I, I'm, I'll see if I can find some old songs. I just remember one of my famous lines is, uh, once traveled to Morocco just for some pink taco.
3: Fuck more <laughs> bitches than
2: the president, Barack-O.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love it right on uh, pink taco that's good I used
2: um, to be more creative as a kid um, when I had zero responsibilities And um,
1: yes I think the lack of the lack of well the, at the um, excessive free time combined with the lack of al- alcohol really was a great catalyst for my creative brain I agree.
2: Did you grow up in Tennessee, by chance? Like, in a I, small I grew
1: of up in like the Ohio, on the Ohio Michigan border, and when I was like 10, 11, I moved to Tennessee. Sure. So,
2: I yeah. g- I grew up in a in a small town, and so I, my theory is that people who grew up in small towns that didn't have a lot going on are more creative. Um, not saying I'm more creative necessarily, but um, I think. Whoa! Sorry no worries (laughs) the lack of optionality leads to you having to be creative
1: yeah yeah because it's um even even like the amount of sports stuff you have to uh like like you know there's not that many you know peewee or middle school football teams or or it's like we we had that but it was the towns are so small that um and and the and the the county is so small that that's an exclusive blo- uh, exclusive group and there's not that much going on. Like, well, here's an example. The gra- I, I graduated in a class of 24 people, the senior class I was in. That's pretty small. Yeah. Um, so it's just there's not that much extracurricular activities, especially creative-wise, because they don't really f- fund... Um, extracurricular activities on that in towns that small outside of sports sports are like the only thing you can do there's not much uh band like there's outside of marching bands and sports bands there's not really music classes you can take outside of those two categories stuff like that
2: yeah so it's pretty much meth and teen pregnancy
1: yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah
2: but now it, it's a. I think it's a good life. I think everyone should live at least part of their life in a, in a small place where not a lot's going on. It's eye opening.
1: Well, we. I did bring some clips. I don't know if you brought anything, but before we get into that, I kind of had a couple questions about you, and I know where just your. Um, I guess if I could start by asking you, like, what led you to your quote unquote awakening or red pilling? I know we're, Since what, we're both no-agenda uh, producers, I'm curious. Yeah, it, absolutely. What, what started that process for you? What got that ball rolling?
2: I think um, it was probably 20, 2015, 2016 um, when I was talking about... Uh, I had this constant thing that I was saying, that there's a layer of bullshit over everything in society. Like, everything seemed fake. Nothing was, was quite real, you know? Mm-hmm. At least there was a, a wanting of uh, gen... Genu- uh, genuinity. Is that a word?
1: If it's not, it should be.
2: Yeah, there you go. Genuinity. Um, and uh, I had, my brother had told me about No Agenda. He he pretty much hit me in the mouth. Uh, we had grown up going to, my uncle Bob lives in uh, Pennington Gap, Virginia. We used to drive for hours to go see him. And my brother really liked listening to Twit. And uh, John C. Dvorak was often on Twit. And um, when I first played it, it was like he's got such a distinctive voice um, that I was just drawn into it. And uh, I was been was a creeper for years, where I was just listening to the podcast, had absolutely no idea that there's this entire community behind it uh, at all. And um, talking about
1: Twitter, or no agenda that you were just listening.
2: No, no agenda. I apologize. Okay.
1: And just a sidebar, yeah, Dvorak's voice is just as distinctive in a lot of ways as like an Alex Jones where it's like nobody else sounds like this guy.
2: Exactly. He, yeah. He's got the it's like when Carlos Santana plays a guitar you know it's Carlos Santana and it's the same thing with right. Vorak in his voice. <laughs> right. They, they got a style. Um, but yeah, so from that point forward, you, you know, I'd always felt like there was nothing really sincere in the world and then no agenda was like, hey man, you're not alone. You're not the only one that, that thinks that way and it's like we've got this whole podcast and we've been doing it for eight years so welcome aboard and uh that was my red pilling that was my brother
1: so no agenda is actually what woke you up out of like the uh mainstream worldview
2: yeah you know i was born wow. in a conservative household and i always felt like uh you know i was right about everything the republicans are gonna save the country <laughs> uh, <laughs> very incorrect uh um, yeah,
1: my uh my dad's. What's interesting is uh, my dad's side of the family. And apologies for anybody who way back on early on the show has already heard kind of the synopsis, but I'll just be quick about it. The my dad's side of the family is complete Democrat, full on, you know, Clinton, Obama bots, going back from since I was a little kid. But my dad, out of his five, he had uh, there was five kids in his family. He was the only sibling that varied from that. And so from the age, I remember I was seven years old watching nine 11 live on TV when it happened. And he was telling me about how it was, um, staged the day after nine He was, uh, my dad was like raised me on Alex Jones. Like I-, I remember seeing Alex Jones when I was like five years old, like old school Alex. So I, um, when I found no agenda, it was, um, I don't know, in a lot of ways, not conspiratorial enough for me. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh,
1: I, I I get that. I, I miss them doing second half of show, for sure. Where really they get a little
2: that. weird and then play the theremin.
1: Yeah, they don't do that much. I remember, um, I don't know how long ago it was, maybe four or five years ago, there was, like, back when they still did second half of show pretty frequently, there was, uh, Adam spent like a five... Um. Well, not I wouldn't five episodes in a row, but it was maybe two episodes in a row, 20 minutes apiece on the nuclear, nukes at the bottom of the World Trade Centers to bring them down theory. <laughs> and it was something I'd never heard before. And I was like, oh, that's that's wild. I don't know. I, I wish they would do like wackier stuff like that more. But uh, but yeah, yeah. no. It's, so it's it it was um it was such a such a life saving show to find. And the community is so wonderful and i i had heard it i think maybe 2012 2013 and had kind of dropped it and not listened to it and then i picked it back up in maybe 2016 or something when grimerica uh graham and darren had dvorak on and then when he was on there i was like i need to go back and like start listening to no agenda again and after that i haven't missed an episode
2: it's Uh, uh it's funny you bring that up um I don't know if you're familiar with John, John Doe, John G. Doe, my uh, my co-host. Yeah. He uh, mentioned that same exact Grime America episode being the reason why he found No Agenda. Like, that yeah. was why he listens to it, or how he found out. so
1: Yeah, I th- I th- it's... um And Grime America is, like, you know, one of the first podcasts I started listening to outside of Joe Rogan. I started listening to Joe Rogan... Back when it was, they were streaming on Justin.TV, like way back in, the, like, you know, 10 years ago or something, nine years ago. Uh, this was the first podcast I'd ever heard was Rogan. Was and, it you
2: that compiled
1: his N-Bomb clips? <laughs> I wish. Yeah. Uh, but I think the second or third podcast I ever really listened to was Grime America. I think it was Higher Side Chats and Grime America. And I think, uh, I think Boobery has a similar story, at least about those two shows. Um, so when I, 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 had heard no agenda because of like something on Twitter or something I saw like, Oh, was, let's check checked the show. And I listened to a couple episodes, maybe a month's worth of episodes. And I kind of forgot about it. And then when they were, when Dvorak was back on Grammarica America, I really like was hooked after that. Um, I guess it was the, um, the media deconstruction. I didn't really appreciate it as much back when I first heard the show is when I got back into it. Cause you know, it's the Trump era and god i don't know what i would have done without them in the covid era
2: so oh i uh, i found comfort in the in the trump era uh especially when when um you just you were hearing all these claims and stuff on the tv and uh on the tv on the tv uh and it just none of it made sense none of it made sense whatsoever and then just to see that there are other people that were like yeah this is all horse shit you like, oh that's really helpful and um I think it is, you know, they they kind of it's kind of become a catchphrase and um keech keech kitsch at this point um where they talk about their twice, you know, dose twice a week dose of sanity, but it's, it's really true.
1: Yeah, and you know what's what's interesting is people and most of them don't. Uh most most people are tuned into one news or another even if they don't like to admit that they're tuned into a social media feed that's feeding them their news. But the, the few people that I talked to that are tuned out of all of that don't have social media and don't watch the news but have listened to No Agenda said that No Agenda actually enlarges their amygdalas because uh, it's stuff they wouldn't be cognitive of without No Agenda because it's their only news source. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah, it does. They're like, oh, and I, I feel like lately they've been kind of – Adam at least has been almost worrisome. Blackpilled. <laughs> worried worried about a lot of stuff. Yeah, blackpilled, right. Yeah. Um
1: but yeah, that no, that's cool, man. I um and uh your guys' show as is mine is definitely inspired by what Adam and John have done. So I've um I I didn't start listening until maybe I didn't start actually listening to every episode to like maybe episode nine or ten, but I've uh, I've really been liking what you guys are doing. It's very, um, it's it's very it's very. I th- I think it's it's very um what's the word? Helpful, not helpful. Um, well yeah, it is helpful to have a a perspective um of the same type of media deconstruction like Adam and John do, but from a younger person's perspective. And I don't think there's that much outside of your show, I don't think there's that much of that going on.
2: And, th- and that's really was the kind of the founding principle of it. We we start off and we, we always we claim that we're deconstructing millennial media. But then when you really look at the world, it's like, well, everything is kind of millennial media now or it's starting to become millennial media uh, from a lot of sources. And so it's been really beneficial to myself to um, go out and do kind of that research and, and find the stuff and start hearing it myself. and. It's really forced me to pay more attention um while <clears throat> well, i hone hone the craft that uh the pod father and um j c d hater of mice um <laughs> created
1: yeah hater of mice lover of vinegar
2: that's right the vinegar book
1: I, Uh yeah i don't see baby <laughs> oh yeah no he's uh it made my it made noah and i my uh I don't know if I could still call him a co-host at this point, but he's here one of out of every five episodes these days. But um, he, uh, it made both of our lives on the hundredth episode when Dvorak showed up on our show it was so fun. We just mainly talked about wine, but man, Dvorak, there's something so uh, genuine and fascinating about that guy. Like it's he's so he's just a fun, funny guy, and there's so many people that his age that are just like curmudgeons and boring but he's he he's like the diamond in the rough of that generation
2: funny you say i was just thinking that same phrase diamond in the rough yeah i agree always Uh, got a story
1: not that our generation's any well i guess you're older than me probably but yeah not that our generation's Um, any better
2: two years based on how old you were when 9 11 happened so okay you must be 27 then yep there you go i'm 29 um Yeah. And that was, that was the weird thing. So when I, you know, I came to no agenda social, um, I branded, (laughs) branded, you know, I picked like N a millennial for some reason I assumed (laughs) the vast majority of people that listened to no agenda were like Adam and John's age and, um, was quickly proven wrong. I tried to, I tried to explain this on, uh, bulls with buds, but, uh, I was too gone. To make it make sense. <laughs>
1: yeah. Now, I I uh, I, I had a phenomenon for a long time where I everybody. I mean, for the most part, I can only think of one or two people that are younger than me in the no agenda community. There's Mad Chuck, and that might be it. Actually, everybody's at least a couple years older than me, if not way older than me. I'm sure there's well, one somewhere. of my outliers but i think oh, I'm there actually gonna-
2: is one, one of our uh, listeners who kind of said a very similar thing to you um which was basically it's nice to hear that kind of media deconstruction from someone my age he's a 26 year old guy named roger and he works on a remote bush camp in canada planting trees um and so it's just like it's really cool to like have these people reach out and contact you out of the woodwork uh and it's really part of that community
1: I love yeah no it is it is uh, the connections you make are so awesome they're not horrible it's,
4: oh, it's horrible oh, oh my gosh.
1: no they're not they're not horrible so I have uh, I know Um, in preparation for this you did watch 2000 Mules the Dinesh D'Souza doc yeah um I, I know I'm sure you have some thoughts on that But before we get into that I did want to cover And it's a long video So we can pause and start as we go The This is uh You know Watch Mojo On YouTube
2: I'm familiar yes
1: I'm not sure anybody's actually I'm sure I mean I know somebody has But I haven't heard it The uh, Coverage of their Top 10 Dumbest Alex Jones Predictions
2: You seen this? I have not seen it Okay I'm excited though
1: what year did this come out? If you read the comments, it's so... I mean, the the, the comments are basically saying like, wow, this video didn't age well and stuff. Uh, some of them are really hilarious. But I'll just, I'll just play the video from the beginning and uh, we can kind of decide how close Alex Jones got these things right. And also, a lot of these are out of context where they're kind of misquoting Alex Jones' predictions to make them seem dumber than they were but uh standard trick yeah but i think this is this is kind of um why does does youtube not show when this video was uploaded anymore i don't see a date that's weird huh Uh, i'll look for it while i play it here we go this is watchmojo's top 10 dumbest alex jones predictions
5: the one about the
4: satanic pizzeria gay bomb
5: juice boxes and justin bieber
4: who who now they they look up to some twit instead of looking up to thomas jefferson welcome to
5: watchmojo.com and today we're counting down our picks for the top 10 dumbest alex jones predictions that didn't happen before we begin we publish new content every day so be sure to subscribe to our channel and ring the bell to get notified about our latest videos for this list. We're looking at predictions made by this American shock jock with a specified time frame that never happened. So Jones' open-ended warning about alien Satan, for example, does not make the cut.
4: And you can read the Bible. It's hiding in plain view, folks. It's not of this world. I don't know exactly what it is or what it's doing, but this is not human intelligence, okay?
1: I'm 100% with him on that. <laughs> <laughs> That's Agreed. a story for another day, I guess.
4: 10. Martial law. Sometimes it sucks to be right. Again, I was on television saying that bin Laden's a CIA asset and looks like he'll attack New York. But it also
5: sucks to be wrong over and over again. Jones frequently claims the U.S. government is about to enforce martial law. The army was preparing for it back in 2009 as part of staged terror attacks. And in 2015, FEMA was set to take
4: over Texas. And you've heard state Judges come out and say, we know there's a martial law plan for Texas and Lubbock and other areas. This is known. But the agents of
5: totalitarian rule won't be who you think. According to Jones and his site Prison Planet in 2009, teenagers will be the American Gestapo, ready within two, three years to do seek and destroys.
4: They are training youth corps, I'd say, to be ready in two, three
5: years. Shockingly, this still hasn't happened.
1: Hasn't it? It just is happening digitally, right?
2: Yes, they're the can't. They, I mean, I think who predicted this? Who wrote Nineteen Eighty Four? That guy predicted. Orwell. It. Orwell,
1: as well as Ted Kaczynski. Yep, Uncle Ted.
3: You know, I still don't I, I, I posted
1: it in the chat because I can't find an upload date on this. Are our channels now allowed to remove the upload date for videos, or am uh, I just an idiot? <clears throat> the
2: link here, um, Chad says, twenty eighteen. July twenty seventh, twenty eighteen.
1: Oh, okay, yeah. It's I'm just on the page. Maybe it's uh just Chrome or something is not showing it. But I've been scouring it and I'm not seeing it. I might just be retarded. But yeah, the uh the children Gestapo thing has is more true than it's not. I would say. I agree.
2: Damn
4: lazy teenagers. Unspoken. Oh hi, we're just here in a red uniform to ask and see if and it's happening, people.
5: Number nine. Financial collapse. How better to cash in on catastrophe than with forecasts of worse to come?
4: Now, they've already stolen 60% of the pension funds. In a couple months, it's all going to be gone, dumbasses. Excuse me.
5: On the heels of the 2008 financial crisis, a panicked Jones projected that the American dollar would devalue by 90%
4: in two years.
5: In 2010, this became a devaluation of 50% within two years.
4: I want you to listen carefully. In the next two years, they're going to devalue your currency by at least 50%. You're so stupid. When the government tells you it's not devalued, you still won't know it's devalued.
5: To top it off.
1: Uh, I think that's... He might have been a little early on the prediction, but that's happened already.
2: I agree. Um, You're familiar with the fourth turning, probably?
1: Uh, No, fill me in on this.
2: So it's this concept that American history uh, has repeated a cycle uh, from 100... They, they, in these history blocks from 80 to 100 years. Um, and effectively, this theory was written in 1997. And if you go back, you know, 80 years, 80 to 100 years from now, it's World War II. Um, and before that, it was uh, the Revolutionary War. No, uh, there's something in between. <laughs> I'm not the best with history. Um, but effectively, this theory predicts that between 2005 and 2025 uh, to 2030. Um, is going to be this next great crisis? Um, you know, we had 2008 happen already, but um, it seems like something much larger might happen. And I think 2008 was a pretext for this current crisis period that we're in. And I don't think we've seen the uh, large event that is uh, generation defining, even with COVID nineteen yet. So, no, yeah, World it, War Three, financial collapse, one of those could be a possible.
1: The numbers I've been seeing was Joe Biden and Trump printed. What was it? Two trillion dollars for the COVID relief. Yeah, Trump had them print that, and even then, the numbers I've seen is Biden print had more money printed than any president prior to him since George Washington combined. So George Washington to Trump, add all the money that they had printed, and it still doesn't match Biden.
2: Well, I mean, yeah, we're so, it that's why that's that what kind of inflation right isn't
1: going to hit us for a couple years maybe but it's going to get i mean a loaf of bread's going to be 20 bucks pretty soon yeah it's so yeah nice. alex alex's prediction about the devaluing uh, of the dollar i would say mark that as correct and keep in mind this is the, alex jones's 10 dumbest predictions from watch mojo So this is the 10 dumbest predictions he's ever made, and still there seem to be, so far, pretty accurate. With
2: some truth, absolutely.
1: At least 50%, you're so stupid, when the government
4: tells you it's not devalued, you still won't know it's devalued.
5: To top it off, 15 European nations would collapse by June 2012. The global meltdown was also supposed to begin in 2015, all thanks to powerful elites that, in hindsight, are apparently pretty incompetent.
4: It'll be a big toilet. It'll be a big giant toilet like Eastern Europe.
5: Jones has
2: since predicted. <laughs> I mean, it's true. <laughs> <Big> the <giant laughs> toilet.
1: But yeah, the, uh, the, the collapses, I think, while the timeline might not have been right, it's uh, it's shown to be that way. Venezuela collapsed. Ecuador is all but collapsed. Uh, Colombia is pretty much collapsed. Well,
2: plus when he talks about European nations, uh you know, there's this book called The Strange Death of Europe, which was written in 2017 by a guy named Douglas Murray. Yep. And he talks about literally these European nations no longer having any sort of identifiable culture. Um, it's pretty much an anti-immigration book, but, uh, but it, you know, it, it does raise some pretty good points about um, s- national identities and whatnot.
5: The EU will be completely dissolved by 2022.
1: What about that one? That kind of goes Uh, on what you just said. The EU will be completely dissolved by 2022. I don't know about the EU, but the EU's singular nations in a lot of ways, yeah. I think
2: uh, the EU, what is their really big mistake that they made in the EU was doing the monetary union across places where um, countries like Greece would be going through financial crises and wanting to say, you know, let's print more money let's print more money in germany who is the head of the eu undisputed is like no <laughs> you know so big mistake there monetary union and so i believe that that might go away sometime in the near future
4: so mark his words the european union as we know it will be gone by 2022
1: number 8 well this video came out in 2018 And they're saying it was a dumb prediction that it would happen Um, by 2022. We still got time left. That's true. Eight,
2: World War
5: Three. Who knows? Maybe the end is nigh. But for Alex Jones, it's nigh all the time.
4: My friends, we stand at the precipice. The entire world is rushing towards World War Three.
5: While another world war is neither laughable nor impossible, the devil is in the details, like why or when. For Jones, the why is a satanic cabal behind major world events. It includes the actual demons, Obama and Hillary, who smell like sulfur.
4: She's a frickin' demon and she stinks and so does Obama I go like what? Sulfur.
5: As for the when, in 2006, Jones asserted a 90% chance of bone-shattering mega-attacks within two months that would trigger global war. In 2009, the war would probably happen
4: in the next few years. It's not fear-mongering, it's reality.
5: Then in 2011, it was already happening. And in 2016, it had finally begun again, but in our minds.
4: World War III has begun. And it's a war against sovereign nations. It's a war against independent people.
5: Number seven: The deep state will murder Trump. Sometimes even Avalanche Alex is lost for words. In December 2017, Jones uncovered a nefarious plot to kill the president. His source is good old-fashioned salt of the earth
4: gut. I think they're going to go ahead and make their move to kill the president. I think I think in the next um, thirty days, I think they're going to make an assassination attempt. I just my gut. It isn't clear
0: who the
1: plotter. Wait a minute. They their prediction was the deep state will kill President Trump. That was what Watch Mojo played it as. And then the clip they play is Alex Jones saying, "I think they're going to make an attempt." Isn't that Not a little bit kill. different?
2: Yeah, very much so. Devil in the details, and yeah, right. <laughs>
5: ...are in a spittle-flecked rant that rails against the Justice Department, FBI, and the Clintons. But in a follow-up, he specified globalist operatives within the Secret Service.
4: Or some wind-up crazy they've got in their network. Trump and Jones are
5: mutual admirers, and the prospect that Jones has just made up plunges him into paroxysms of defiant passion. But he also gives his prediction a backdoor. Globalists will either give up or activate their cells. So they'll either try to murder the president or, like, not. Number six, Y2K. Of course Jones cut his conspiracy chewing teeth on Y2K. In hindsight, the hysteria around Y2K is difficult to credit. But at the time, people worried that the rollover of dates into the 2000s would glitch some computer systems.
1: Alex Jones actually uh, kind of went in detail the first time he was on Rogan with Eddie Bravo for episode 911 about the Y2K thing. Where he said he kind of let his advertisers convince him back when he was like first on the radio, he was like, I don't, I think, I think it's it's just a fear mongering to get them to get hype behind it so they can upgrade all the surveillance grid. And uh, yeah, I kind of let them convince me is what he said, which isn't great. But he's already addressed the Y two K thing, where he was wrong, but he was right in some ways, where a uh, nuclear power plant failed on that day and stuff like that. But he, over, he way overhyped Y2K. So we will give Watch Mojo that. Would you agree? That was, that was a prediction that he was wrong. Yeah, we'll give him that point. We'll give him that one.
5: Then there were the prophets of digital apocalypse who foresaw worldwide chaos. On New Year's Eve 1999, a young Jones milked this paranoia for all it was worth. Describing cash machines and power plants failing, currencies plunging, more wars than in the past 50 years, gas stations out of water and fuel, government about to take over radio and TV, military everywhere, and Russia threatening to nuke America.
4: It's absolutely out of control. It is pandemic, ladies and gentlemen. As it turns out...
1: Why didn't they play any of the clips of that? If he said all that, why did they just play an out-of-context clip of him saying, him saying it's out of control?
2: They have got this guy so that anything that you say about him if you're a normie you just go yep i he probably did say that that's where they got him yeah the media has screwed him
1: yeah but he's his credibility has risen above the media in a lot of circles that i run in at least
2: he predicted the invasion of ukraine to the exact month uh
1: 6 months out to the part to the week of the month i believe yeah I think he said the first week of February or something like that. First He's like, yeah. that's what but It's not because he predicted, it's because he actually has like Pentagon friends and stuff that know what's going on. Yeah. And then he also has government friends like Pachinik that give him disinfo. Um,
2: Steve Pachinik.
1: Yeah. Who I still want to get on the show. I know Adam was doing shows with him for a while. I think they did like four or five shows together. And yeah, they had some side interviews.
5: Turns yeah. out, January 1st, 2000 was just another day. Number five, Machete will start a race war. In 2010... <laughs> did,
1: as it, did you ever see Machete? Uh-uh. Danny Trejo? Machete. Machete. Okay, so Machete was uh, him and Jessica Alba. God, Jessica was so hot. And um, it's okay. It's an okay movie. It's basically... Like she says, a Mexploitation film. Um exploitation. <laughs> yeah, so it's basically it's basically like this Mexican dude just kills a bunch of like cops and Americans and it's like out for vengeance. Kind of like black exploitation films back in the day. But it was goofy and heavy handed, and it was you know, it was funny. But what you gotta watch, I think it's still on Netflix, Machete Kills. It's fucking amazing. Have you seen the sequel, Machete Kills? I have not seen any Machete. Okay, so Machete Kills is the sequel. It's Danny Trejo. It's got Jessica Alba, Amber Heard, Mel Gibson, Charlie Sheen plays the president. It's a fantastic fucking movie. It's so campy, but it's so good.
2: I mean, when Charlie Sheen's the president, it can't be anything but... (laughs)
1: <laughs> it's I think I told I think it was Booberry I told to watch it and he did not enjoy it nearly as much as I did but I I swear by that movie is like one of the most fun stupid action movies to watch cuz it's like intentionally goofy like I don't want to not to avoid too many spoilers by the end they have lightsabers um but it's, oh, it's man, it's really good. it's really good but the, the first it, machete was built as a serious action movie and Alex Jones did Kind of fearmonger about it, but not to the extent that Wash Mojo acts like he fearmongered about it.
2: So this is going to start a race war.
1: They, yeah, that's what they said. Alex said. Um, said. Alex said it's going to start like uh, street fights. I think is what he said. But we'll see what they
5: first. Two thousand was just another day. Number five, Machete will start a race war. In 2010, as Arizona introduced controversial laws against undocumented immigrants, director Robert Rodriguez released a special trailer for his exploitation movie, Machete. It was tongue-in-cheek, but also politically pointed, and ripe for the purposes of a professional provocateur who essentially sells fear. According to Jones, there was a 90% chance the movie would trigger racial riots and racial killings upon release on September 3rd.
1: Okay, so racial riots and racial killings, is that the same thing as a race war?
2: (laughs) There's a slight difference there.
1: Slight difference, yeah, because race war sounds like a war and not a riot. It's like, would we call like the George Floyd riots, was that a war?
2: No, that's absolutely not a war.
1: Yeah, so neither was Alex's prediction of what machete would cause. Came a call for violence, a call for racial
4: warfare and death.
5: And it never happened. Well, better luck with the mass violence next time, Alex. It
3: sounds like they still got you taking out the trash.
5: Number four, a staged assassination attempt against Obama. The New World Order are busy folks. They're using juice boxes to turn children gay and lay
1: That's true, probably. There's so much plastics in the thing, whether it's intentional or not. Absolutely. The plastics mimic estrogen. We know this. I have. By the way, your baby formula coverage uh, on yesterday's MMO was great. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much.
2: Buy it. Buy it now.
1: Yeah, we're we're like past the cusp now where we don't really need it, so we're actually considering maybe leaving it for uh, the people that need it more because he's seven months old now, so he can eat solid foods.
2: What? there you go. I texted everyone I knew, every single person that I knew has a baby or about to have a baby. Go buy
1: baby formula. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's not a bad move. Yeah.
5: Placing President Trump's Diet Coke with sedatives. Oh, and they killed Prince.
1: He felt that You, <laughs> I got to back up a second because yeah. President Obama drinks Diet Coke. Is that what she just said?
2: I think so. I just heard. And they killed Prince towards the end.
1: Uh, well, they did kill Prince just like they did Michael Jackson. Um, but. No, I love, uh, I love that. This is something that I thought that just entered my mind was that uh, if Obama drinks Diet Coke, but there's those Trump tweets where Trump, like back in like 2012 said, have you ever seen a skinny person drinking Diet Coke? (laughs) (laughs) But if Obama drinks Diet Coke, I guess that disproves the Trump tweets. So there you go.
5: Mass violence next time, Alex.
3: Sounds like they still got you taking out the trash.
5: Number four a staged assassination attempt against Obama. The New World Order are busy folks. They're using juice boxes to turn children gay and lacing President Trump's Diet Coke with sedatives. Oh, and they killed-
1: Oh, it was President Trump's Diet Coke. It was Trump with sedatives. in his Diet Coke. And they killed Prince. Prince. He felt that you and I should be very, very careful.
5: It's all part of a master plan for world domination. And in 2009, this meant a fake assassination attempt on Obama. Jones repeated his claim in 2010.
4: Their ace of spades is to stage an attack on Obama. And they are getting ready for this to demonize the opposition and bring in a massive crackdown.
5: The globalists would blame it on the Islamists and a Tea Party 9-11 truther. Two birds, one stone. The plot would boost Obama's approval ratings, allowing him to confiscate guns and go to war with Iran. Yeah, not so much. Whoopsie. Number three, Oopsie. a false flag attack. <laughs> it's the 9-11 truthers' favorite topic. The staged terror attacks are coming any time now. In August 2006, Jones predicted mega attacks within two months. In January 2009, he could feel it coming in his bones. And by February, there was no doubt of an inaugural bombing within six to seven months.
4: Just like 9-11, and there, I mean, you think the worship of Bush with a 92% approval rating after they staged 9-11 was high. Obama will probably be 98% or something.
5: It would be a biological event preceding a worse attack that would wipe out half of the U.S. population. And it was soon, so soon, before year's end. In fact, in June, he wouldn't be surprised if it happened in two to three months.
4: Red level, mayday, mayday! Red level, under
5: attack from all sides! Fast forward to March 2000...
1: Where are the clips? These are just out-of-context clips. Where are the clips of him saying... I'm not saying he didn't say it, but if he... if, if, if he said it, why doesn't Watch Mojo, if they have the supposed quotes, there's no video of it in quotes. Why don't they just say or show or even show a quote in quotations of where Alex Jones says in two months half the population is going to be killed by biological warfare? There's no Whip. quote, quip. There's nothing. There's they have no no proof that they're presenting here. Whipsaw. That's what they do. Yeah. Yeah. Whipsaw. That's exactly what it is.
5: 2010, and it would occur on april 15th or 19th to coincide with anti-tea party documentaries soon so so soon
4: they want to set us up and that'll be with a stage terror attack blamed on the tea parties number
5: two the media <laughs> will announce extraterrestrial life
1: uh, there's a war on through your uh, mind in space uh, what dumbest this is the number two dumbest prediction alex jones has ever made the media will announce extraterrestrial life. Uh, I'm sorry, what is the hype that the New York Times and everybody's been making in the last... Uh, is uh, UFOs, UAPs, UFOs, that's like...
2: Yeah, the government basically admitted that uh, they're real. <laughs> yeah, we, we saw this thing flying, we have absolutely no fucking clue what
1: it is. Uh, weird. So, the second dumbest most prediction, or sorry, the second dumbest prediction Alex Jones has ever made... Is that the media will announce extraterrestrial life, which has happened. Hmm.
5: 19th, to coincide with anti Tea Party documentaries.
4: Soon. So, uh, sorry, so soon. They want to set us up, and that'll be with a staged terror attack blamed on the Tea Parties.
5: Number two, the media will announce extraterrestrial life. There's a war on for your mind. In space. In 2009, Jones came out and declared that the media was getting ready to announce extraterrestrial life.
4: The mainstream media has legitimized extraterrestrial life and is basically saying we are being visited, something is going on.
5: And hey, to be fair, who knows what might happen sometime in the future with space exploration. The absurdity isn't so much in the possibility of some form of life elsewhere in the universe. It's that Jones claims to have an in on the intel, as if he's part of freaking NASA.
4: But this is not human intelligence, okay? That's one thing you can
5: say about Jones putting himself out there. Sure, he might be wrong again and again, and again, but he sure does make predictions.
4: Every time I talk about how they've created all these aliens, the media makes jokes about it. it just says, Jones claims there's aliens.
5: Number one, a second civil war. Alex Jones revels in controversy to say the least. He's the one that said that the Sandy Hook massacre was fake and that Michelle Obama is a man.
4: And I mean,
1: I'm sorry. Uh, can we? Yeah, true. True on both accounts, allegedly in Minecraft.
2: I I, I know about the man one. That's that's
1: what I'm <laughs> That's what I'm claiming is true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, well, uh, don't sue me
4: it's true it's a giant viral video phenomenon for like eight years that she's a man
5: but his incendiary headlines got more laughs than outrage
4: when he predicted a
5: second civil war on july 4th 2018.
4: so they believe they can overthrow america they've done this so many other places liberals apparently didn't get the memo jones fired back that the date was just
5: a demarcation line and that it was really a soft civil war which is funny because here's him training for it just a few months earlier, oh and warning that God. it will
1: be. They have footage of Alex shooting a gun. That means he's training uh, for civil <laughs> war. That
2: it's uh, it is laughable. The evidence they bring—that's that, Watch Mojo. You know, they're they're curated top ten videos. They never do anything. They're always wrong too. These are yeah. the best comedies. You're like, no, they're not. <laughs>
1: The best category of 20, of the 2010s. Female Ghostbusters. Yeah, female Ghostbusters. (laughs) Bloody the year before. An active attempt to start
4: a bloody civil war. But hey, maybe.
1: Oh, so him predicting a civil war is, the only soundbite they have for that is him saying an active attempt to start a bloody civil war. He didn't say there will definitely be a civil war, at least in these clips. In a lot of ways,
2: I think in modern times. He's correct. <laughs> Today feels right. like we're on the brink of one.
5: It was bloody in our minds, or maybe the demarcation line is really wide. For now, though, this is just more clickbait. Do you agree with our picks?
1: <laughs> this was mo- more clickbait. Thank you, Wash Mojo, for accurately describing the video that you posted. One hundred percent. So that was good, though. <laughs> I don't know. I should uh, have. I should have left that open uh, because there's, God, there's so much. the The comments were ninety five percent of the comments were saying like this age poorly or this. <laughs> Alex was right about pretty much everything here. All of that, or like yeah. I, th- I think the top upvoted comment was when are you gonna do the top ten things Alex Jones correctly predicted?
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, Never. Yeah. I'm just. I'm looking at the the headlines and. Um... Or their their video titles right now on YouTube, and they're all every single thing that they post is like incredibly subjective and they have that same lady narrate narrate it in that same ungenuine commentary Someone wrote this down for me, but I'm a voice actress, and so I read it.
1: It could be a deep fake for all we know
2: that's right, I bet that is that's the government yeah. Ten top ten shocking Kids show scandals.
1: Right there. Oh, is Jimmy Seville in there? I'm seeing Bob the
2: Builder as the thumbnail.
1: Same thing. Potato <laughs> Potato, right? That's right. All right.
4: We should do a whole show asking what the hell's going on with Trump.
1: So you watched what uh two thousand mules. Not one thousand. Two thousand mules. Two thousand. What was your gin gin without too many spoilers what was your general takeaway because i can give you mine after yours
2: uh general takeaway is the 2020 election was not the most secure election in uh the united states history yeah as that was pounded into our heads repeatedly by the mainstream media in 2020
1: you mean states that had never done mail-in ballots all of a sudden doing mail-in ballots doesn't make the election more secure Correct. What?
2: Yeah. See, and there's video evidence that uh there was cheating going on. Despite their saying there's no evidence of cheating going on.
1: No evidence. Yeah. Um I will say, and I, I know you you brought up kind of one of my main complaints yesterday on the millennial media offensive. Why I mean Dennis DeShuza, I've never been a huge fan of his, but he brings in all these hacks like Charlie Kirk, um Dennis Prager. Oh, a bunch of establishment Republican guys. What's like? What's that British guy's name?
2: Oh, Cork Gorka. Sebastian yeah, Sebastian Gorka. Gorka.
1: Yeah. I, it's like so, they I I guess I I get that you bring those guys in if you're trying to be credible to the mainstream Republican establishment. But most of the Republican Party at this point is not the mainstream restu- Republican base.
2: Right. Right. Uh. The. I have like a Dvorak esque critique of that video, like the you know? whole
1: documentary. You mean
2: the whole the whole documentary? The information's good. Those the, the the dramatized video of a guy wearing a hood stuffing ballots into a ballot box, right? Like the f- opening shot that they have, oh, and then right. these those fake conversations, like, "Hey, why don't you call our friends over here?" Oh yeah, oh. I'm gonna go see if they're working on. Yeah. I hated that. I was like, this is, that was so crazy. So, me.
1: yeah. So, what, wait, uh, for anybody listening to what Dan is talking about, there's multiple scenes, especially like near the beginning. Um, what's, what's the guy's name? Uh, Dinesh Jesus. he's, he's, they're sitting, he's sitting in the kitchen of his house talking to his wife. And they're like, and his wife is like, well, I don't know. Why don't you call her? And they call the head of, uh, Truth the Vote or whatever. And the whole yeah, like you said, the whole thing is so scripted or at least pre planned, not necessarily word for word scripted, but it's like, come on, guys.
2: Well, it's hokey. And then they they're like, Yeah, we can't talk about it on the phone. Suddenly meet in like the back of a shipping bay behind like a warehouse store.
1: (laughs) Dude, it reminds me of uh, Jesse Ventura's conspiracy theory on True TV, that show he used to do, where like, dude, there's this episode that is so fucking hokey. It's so funny. It's where they're talking about the FEMA camps, and Alex Jones is like, Let me let me come meet you outside this FEMA camp. There's a bunch of black coffins out here. They have rows and rows of them. And it's true, they do. But like Jesse Ventura meets Alex Jones over there. And Alex Jones, like when they show up, he pops out from behind the bushes. Like, (laughs) oh, Jesse, I'm glad to see you. And it's like, why did you guys even it makes the whole thing just a joke? It's like Yeah, uh,
2: absolutely. And that, that's uh, that was my big complaint. I was like, "It's good information. You you masked it in that stupid bullshit. I don't I don't know who wants that."
1: Yeah, I agree. It's yeah. Uh, they just want the c- because that's what everybody does, like in the mainstream. So I guess they're like, "We need to make it seem mainstream." But yeah, it's hokey as fuck. Uh, I this is the uh, I, did you bring any any clips of anything or of this?
2: I, I did not know. Okay, I, that's cool. I just
1: didn't want to step on you if you had. Yeah. So this is the um the first clip I brought. It's of when like Dennis Prager and Charlie Kirk, who like you said has a Charlie Kirk is the worst of this bunch. He's such a retard. His face yeah. is way too small for his head.
2: <laughs> Super. I love, love the memes, the Charlie Kirk small face memes. Yeah, so great.
1: And he's he like he's the he's just like kind of like how the. Tea Party was co-opted, like Ron Paul's Tea Party was co-opted. Charlie Kirk it co-opted the MAGA movement or MAGA movement. Um, but yeah, this is the uh, the first clip I brought from that when they're first talking about it. I think this is mainly Charlie Kirk and Sebastian Gorka talking here, but Sebastian makes some good points. I'll just open up with this.
6: I think millions of Americans know something went wrong and they have little pieces and no one's really put it together. They know that there is injustice. They know it in their gut. They know it through the bellwether counties where Donald Trump won almost every single one of the predictive counties that show who's gonna be president. And then they also know it where they went to bed thinking Trump was gonna have four more years and they woke up with the exact opposite.
3: We have an individual who could fill a stadium with 60,000 supporters in 24 hours. Vice an individual, you know the famous photograph of the six empty circles at a Biden rally. We have an incumbent president who received more votes than any other incumbent president in American history, who actually got 10 million more votes than he did four years prior, and who received more support after four years of being called a racist and a white supremacist, more support from the Hispanic and black community than any Republican president since the 1960s. And he was beaten by a machine politician who couldn't speak clearly, who on the campaign stage would confuse his sister with his wife. It just stinks.
2: you. it does stink.
1: Yeah. Uh, And that's not an endorsement of Charlie Kirk or Sebastian Gorka by any means, because I'm not a fan of either of them. But uh, that, that was kind of the setup. And at the end of that, I didn't include in the clip, but Larry Elder says, show me the money. Where's the proof? And so they get in touch with true the vote i believe is the uh organization yep and i was less interested because i i I think you and i both already kind of knew and agree that the election was fishy there was a lot of shenanigans there was a lot of fraud uh the voting machines were likely the main culprit i think this is just even more proof on top of that this documentary with the mail-in ballots but I was less interested in, because I already knew it was fishy. I was less interested as I watched this in the fraud itself. I was more interested in this method they used to track these cell phones.
2: Yeah, and I'm glad you brought that up because I've known about that technology um, just based on on uh, marketing companies. Like I've seen their their pitches. Um, but yeah, that's the creepiest part about it. Is like, yeah, we tracked all these different people yeah using this data and we, we just bought it freely
1: that and that's the thing it's like this is quote-unquote the good guys having now buying purchasing and having access to this data uh, but
2: don't worry, they're only tracking the bad guys
1: yeah but th- they'll it's, never it's creepy just in general that anybody can just buy this exactly. type of data.
2: exactly that but that's that's what i meant oh it is a joke you know they're tracking yeah. the bad guys now
1: <laughs> you want to make a cameo charlie Say, hey, woo! No, <laughs> he does. He, he's always making noise, but never when there's a microphone on him.
2: I bet his face is bigger than Charlie Kirk's.
1: Wow <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> 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 Good night, bubby. Love you. Oh, but anyway, sorry about that. Here's a. Uh, there he goes. You hear that?
2: Yep, yeah, I hear it now.
1: <laughs> as soon as he's away from the mic. Uh, oh, he's having a good day. Uh, So yeah, like I was saying... The data collection was what interested me most. Here's a clip on that. Immediate aftermath
6: of the election when there were a lot of accusations and charges flying around, all reflecting these suspicions of something went deeply wrong. Charges of foreign intervention, charges of machines. You and your organization were kind of dead silent. I got the impression that you were looking for a different approach.
0: Given the outliers that were introduced in, in such a major way in 2020, uh, namely the privately funded drop boxes, the mass mail out of ballots, the hypothesis was, if you were going to cheat, how might one go about this? That would be provable, trackable, traceable.
6: You said there might be some, let's just call them bad actors, who are delivering ballots systematically and, and, and illicitly to these mail and draw boxes, and there might be a way to track them and to bust them.
0: We didn't know. We decided we are going to let the data tell the tale, and we collected together a team of highly skilled contractors and put together a plan to see where the data would take us.
3: What, Greg, is geo-tracking? So the idea is to collect the signals that are emitted from your phone, your cell phone is delivering information to apps that are collecting that ping. So there are four key coordinates, the lat, long, the elevation, and the time. And with that data, we can then build a pattern of life around you. So that phone's here right now. Well, where's it gonna be at five o'clock and where's it gonna be tonight?
6: Well, here's my cell phone, my, my cell phone is off. Can, you, can I be geo-tracked even with the cell phone being off? Possibly. Depending on the apps, depending that are on the, the apps, depending That's on. That's what marketing
0: happening. companies do all day, every day. Yeah, this is just the point. point.
6: We were just at we were at the CBS Apple store and at and CBS, CBS, and at, yeah. on both occasions, they knew okay. where you Maybe. were, evidently. Absolutely. And they were telling you about specials, yeah. and yeah. Uh, they were so people
3: right. have experience of this. There's 300,000 or so apps that that gather that data, and then they sell it to brokers.
1: 300,000 or so.
2: And, and, and most it's of them probably are probably most of the popular
1: ones. Candy Crush, Twitter. Yeah. It's oh, not Russian apps. It's not like you're downloading Russian apps. <laughs> Those are the ones
2: that do it. Well, half the kids um, have TikTok on there I don't have, so I'll pull clips from TikTok. But like, I don't have the Twitter app, the Facebook app, the TikTok app. I don't have any social media apps on my phone.
1: A lot of the guys I work with that I'm I'm the manager of are like senior seniors in high school and while i'll be driving them around for jobs it's tiktok they're all three or four of them are, would just be watching tiktok on their phone constantly that's all they watch that's all they do is tiktok i asked them, yeah. i was like do you guys listen to podcasts or what like youtube even and they don't even fuck with youtube they definitely don't fuck with podcasts it's all tiktok it's all oh, one minute or less videos and i was like wow
2: well the attention span i it's gotta be hurting I don't talk to a lot of younger kids that often, um, <laughs> just because I am not creepy. Not, not, not saying you are creepy. I just don't have those, that inner, you know, those amount of interactions that I do. But like, I have a, a niece who's probably fourteen, fifteen, um, and she's weird, man. Very weird, and I think it has to do with her attention span. She can't hack it.
1: Yeah, she on TikTok.
2: She's on TikTok.
1: Yeah. I think like that generation, you're probably weird if you're not on TikTok.
2: Well, she's on, she's on like, she was telling me about TikTok. She's like, I'm on gay TikTok. I'm on Asian TikTok. Uh, I'm oh, was on that like this black TikTok. Twitter? <laughs> yeah, like black Twitter. Evidently, they break up TikTok into these like different categories. And so while it was just black Twitter for a while, now there's uh, gay TikTok and um, women's studies TikTok. I have no idea the different. Divisions Let me just show
4: you TikTok. some fun stuff I found on Twitter.
2: <laughs> yeah it's a weird place man like i said like last night on the show we were playing um the girl who was gonna do some homemade abortion remedies diy abortion remedies right on, on a children's app
1: is it really a children's app though because i've seen some ass and some titties on tiktok like they ban nudity obviously but they let you get a little frisky on tiktok
2: yeah um i think it was supposed to be but like everything you know it all leans towards sex. Like, So I used to have... I have Snapchat on a, and an old Oh, Snapchat I have. turned
1: into sharing nudes almost immediately. And it had to be designed for that because the messages disappear. And you can disappear. tell... Disappear. And, and it notifies you if you get screenshotted.
2: But, well, basically, though, like, if you look at the... There's, like, the stories, so, like, top stories, and it's, like, the top influencers. Oh, The God, whole that. thing is designed to make you horny. I'm yeah. telling you. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I agree. Here's a... Here's a girl in her uh, bikini, you know? And then they're all, they're all subtly, like, sticking out their ass and tits and in shots. You're just like, Jesus.
4: I like women with big, giant
2: tits and big asses. <laughs> Those mommy milkers, man. That's what it's all uh, about. Oh,
1: yeah. For sure. Uh, here's the, from that same segment on 2000 Mules, the uh, January 6th data collection that the government apparently did.
3: I'll say that there's no question amongst anyone that I know in the community that many, if not all, of the people that were involved in the situation at the Capitol on January 6th were being tracked previous to January 6th because they already knew what their pattern of life was. They already knew who to look at.
5: Many of the people who stormed the U.S. Capitol on January 6th left digital footprints that law enforcement has used in making arrests.
6: You're saying they must have known about these people before because some of those guys were arrested one day, three days, five days after January 6th, and that's not enough time to do the geo-tracking analysis. The
3: very idea that you could go from the afternoon of January 6th to acquiring the data, tracking the data, unmask who actually owns that phone, which the government is required to do, and then get it to a grand jury, make an arrest in 72 hours? Impossible. It's, it's, Impossible. Not, it's not possible. They had to have been tracking the people in advance. But the fact of the matter is these techniques are used every single day by law enforcement, the intelligence community, the Department of Defense.
1: Now, yeah, this makes me think that guy. people, um, I, I mean, I know people that were there on January 6th. I know two that were questioned by the FBI. I mean, I, only one of those two I actually have met in person, but, you know, people that I talked to. Yeah. Um, but this makes me think that people like you and me could have been getting tracked on just on the off chance that we might go. And show oh, for up sure. at the Capitol riots, like if I, because just... I, I know I on social media I was saying stuff about the rigged election, so I was probably in that contenders pot that the algorithm put me in, of people that might show up to Jan- the January 6th protest.
2: And and this is like the why I'll never join something like Rumble. I'll never join something, especially not Truth Mope or Truth Social, like Trump's uh, social media app. What's he on a list? Because that you that is you're it, automatically you're curating a list for easy tra- fed tracking one hundred percent you know I joke about feds a lot, but at the same time i'm I'm absolutely super paranoid about them uh,
1: I would say five like, two to five percent of the people in the no agenda community, two to five percent of the people in our i r c rooms are feds. That's just a rough estimate on my part. I think people that we talk to on a regular basis some of them might be feds. I could name some I, names of my suspicions, but I'm not gonna do that on the air. Oh man, I, once we're done with this, you gotta tell me. I'm curious, because <laughs> okay. I also have suspicions. All right, yeah, we'll, do, we'll talk about that off the air. Yeah, uh, perfect. But, uh, but yeah, I wanna back up to this point, because I might be reading into this too much, but.
3: sharing the data, tracking the data, unmask who actually owns that phone, which the government is required to do
1: the government is required to do is he implying that corporations don't have to unmask they already have and know who that is and they can make sell that data they can sell the identity cuz he I, listen I, to the way he says that I'll back it up again
3: the data tracking the data unmask who actually owns that phone which the government is required to do
1: the government required. required to do that nobody else is that's the implication i might be reading into that too much though
2: I mean, if you if you have a cell phone and you I don't know go home to sleep every night with it, you know your
1: name's on the, if your name is on your address, yeah,
2: yeah. Uh, oh, I check whoever is getting the metal. I mean, you can check online.
1: Well, in I that case, the government doesn't even have to unmask it if they're tracking your location. They can just make put two and two together. Exactly. Yeah. One hundred percent. Yeah. Good point. So, and that also means a public. Can can you public? I know you can publicly buy geo data. Can you publicly buy browsing history from people's phones? Can you can a public citizen buy that kind of data? Like I'm curious. Uh,
2: I mean, I don't know. It depends on what you agreed to in your terms and services. Yeah, nobody reads that shit. No one does.
1: Yeah, (laughs) the Apple South Park thing where Kyle it turns out Kyle's the only one that didn't read the terms of service and he gets put into the human centipad. Oh, no, I've, uh,
2: unfortunately, it's one of the few shows I've never watched. Is, oh uh, my South God. Dude, you I it. know. It's a big thing. Everyone's like, you got to watch it.
1: It's probably, it's the best cartoon ever made. But yeah, there's a, there's the, at the back, I think I get, I don't know what it was, like 2010 or something. They made that episode. Maybe earlier than that. It was when Book of Mormon was coming out and, uh, Kyle ends up getting attached to a human centipad, which was three people sewn together with an iPad at the end. And Steve, it was back when Steve Jobs was still alive and uh, everybody everybody's saying like like uh when apple comes to kidnap him he's like you agreed to this in the terms of in the itunes update terms of service and he's, and he's like well i didn't read that and kyle's dad who's a lawyer is like what you're telling me you didn't agree to something you just agreed to something without reading it <laughs> reading it even butters <laughs> is like everybody reads that every, nobody agrees to something without reading it <laughs> the, Oh the, God. the uh the the men in black uh, working for Apple like yeah right like anybody would just agree to something without reading it
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh. I, I have caught I kind of caught a few episodes for instance uh, that show ruined Family Guy for me because oh, the Family nailed Guy
1: episodes it. were great
2: nailed it to a cross when they're when they're uh, the manatees yeah the manatees picking up random balls
1: that was back when Bush was president that episode came out the uh, yeah that was, that was <laughs> good <So laughs> why can't yeah, we just I ban Family Game Guy, guy. Bush is like, well, because there's something called the First Amendment. And the reporters in the White House press corps are like, "Sir, why didn't your administration think about this contingency when you introduced this so-called First Amendment?" <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. uh, either everything's okay to make fun of or nothing is. That was one of their. Uh, that was a great. Yeah, the Family Guy, South Park ones were great. Cartoon Wars. Absolutely. Um, all right, next uh, next clip from Two Thousand Mules.
6: Now you decided to purchase through these brokers that make this information available to companies, they make it available all all kinds of places to buy data. Uh, so anybody ta- let's talk about the it. methodology. You identified data in certain places, and by and large, you focused on the states where the election was decided. Tell us, what are the areas that you bought data for and what were you looking for? And what's the
3: time period? October 1st through the election. In Georgia, we actually bought from October 1st through January 6th after the runoff. So we went in. We decided to do the Atlanta metro area because it picks up some rural areas, it picks up some urban areas, it picks up some suburban areas. 309 drop boxes in in the area. And we thought, okay, well, this is a pretty good test. We, in essence, sort of fenced around those. Geofencing, Geofencing. And then we were able to make purchase of data of people that had been near those drop boxes, but also near the organizations. Across the country, we bought 10 trillion signals. And When France. they give you this data, this data that you then have to go through, what does this data look like? Well, it's a massive data transfer. We have more than a petabyte of data. You're talking petabyte. about transacting petabyte. hundreds of terabytes, so it's a significant move of data.
6: You have oh, 10 shit. trillion signals, that's, that's a lot of signals. So what was the criterion
3: that you set? Final decision was they had to have been to 10 or more drop boxes, meaning unique visits inside of a space, and five or more visits to one of the one or more of these organizations.
0: Those were the outliers. It was such an aberrant pattern.
6: So what you're saying, I mean, it seems to me there's no reason for someone to go to even two drop boxes, but you're saying that maybe there's a conceivable reason someone did that, let's identify a large number of drop boxes and multiple trips, and that way we're gonna catch not all the offenders, right, but the worst offenders.
3: The way we would describe it is we want to absolutely ensure that we don't have false positives, meaning including people that should not have been included. We're not in any way saying that this is all there is. We're just saying that based on our criteria that we identified in Atlanta, 242 people that went to an average of 24 drop boxes in eight organizations during a two-week period.
1: So like I said before, this type of technology in the hands of the quote-unquote good guys is startling if people that are truth-searching can get this kind of data and mapping of geolocation. That means anybody could do it. That means if I had the money, I could do what they did.
2: Well, that also means that, you know, you heard about their their petabytes of data and their however many million points. It literally means that your data, your cellular tracking data, is available to anyone for pennies. Any if even a penny, though. Like, that's how cheap your data is. I just, I, while we, you were playing that clip, I went out and I Googled uh, um, mobile cellular data locations. And there are literally, there's this company called Data Raid. IO has got a list <laughs> I, of data sets.
1: I, I like how they uh they tried not to be too on the nose by spelling it R A D E instead of R A I D.
2: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah.
1: We can't it's call like, it data like, R A RAID, RAID, that'd be too that'd be too clear of what we're doing here. It's like Gatorade. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love
2: it. Uh, there you go. But no, it is, it's really scary. I, you know, I'm just thinking, I've got friends that work for, um, like Boeing, for instance. Um, and if a Chinese national spy wanted to uh, infiltrate Boeing or something, you know, it would be very easy to, to find the location where their engineers are headed to, um, where they are, and then be able to infiltrate, I don't know, said person's phone, even um, get a hold of this person's security pass or computer and whatnot. It's, uh, it's interesting, but it's horribly scary.
1: It's just live uh, just live audio of one of the data raid computers working their magic.
4: I'm DCEPL3ETEESA45WO59GG. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Uh, moving on Alex, love it. So we're going to show you a visual, a pattern of life that someone can see and look at rather than just a whole spreadsheet of numbers being able to look at it in this manner. What you see here on the screen is a single person on a single day in Atlanta, Georgia. They went to 28 drop boxes in five organizations in one day. What are the orange dots?
1: What are the orange dots? No, the orange dots are the different drop boxes. I thought that was kind of crazy that, I mean, seeing it visually like that, uh, moving on from the privacy concerns, seeing it digitally like that, that one guy, you see his traffic pattern in Atlanta, and he's at 28 ballot drop boxes in one day. That's, uh, there's no rational explanation for that other than voter fraud.
2: Oh, well, 100%. And they've, they get the videos of people, you know, within states, the rules are you can only deliver a ballot for yourself or a family member. And people showing up with stacks of 10 uh, at a time, dropping them in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 10. Um, it's de facto voter fraud by by state law. And the fact that the videos of these drop boxes exist and there's absolutely nothing you can do about it now that they're once they're in the box is insane.
1: And they go on to say they have four million minutes, over four million minutes of, on top of all that geo tracking data, they have over four million minutes of camera footage, official camera footage of the ballot boxes in key states. It's one thing to have the
6: scientific evidence, which is persuasive on its own merits, but do you have video evidence?
0: We do.
3: How much of it do you have? Four million minutes of surveillance video around the country. Official surveillance video
6: of these mail-in drop boxes.
2: Yes.
1: Yeah, four million. That's like eight years. Eight years worth of video. All within the course of two weeks. Yeah. Just to show you how, yeah. uh, This is a long clip, but I think it's worth it. This is my last clip on
3: the 2,000 mules. We have recently learned video was specifically turned off on particular drop boxes. In which state? Arizona. Wisconsin, it turns out, even though the rules required them to have video. Did they do the video? No, they did not.
6: There should be video on every Dropbox. Indeed. Given today's kind of cost of technology, it would not have been that hard to do it. And you sent me a screenshot, Catherine, where you were requesting video, and I believe it was the state of Georgia saying, this video does not exist, and we can't tell you why it doesn't exist. Right.
1: That, to me, is the biggest smoking gun of this whole thing. of You know, hacking the voting machines aside, this... Uh, you know, uh, all these places where they request video, the video is not available. That implies that this isn't some rogue element. This isn't George Soros or you know the uh, Antifa or whatever. This is unless George Soros literally. I guess he does run the DAs in a lot of these places. But you know, this point being, this is not rogue elements that are conducting this voting fraud. This is collaboration with the state and local governments to destroy evidence of voter fraud.
2: Absolutely. You know, so, I the, think the people wearing gloves was pretty damning. The yeah. people traveling from out of state to deliver uh, ballots to, to drop boxes was pretty damning. It's insane. The level of information that they But traveling
1: have, out of state and, and wearing gloves, you know, you could argue that that's, well, that's not good. Those don't, don't mean they're government officials, but saying, oh, the video footage from this government building or uh, we didn't either didn't record or we're not going to give you the footage, stuff like that, or the footage doesn't exist, that is hardcore proof of government uh, cover-up or government collaboration.
2: I mean, Trump was never supposed to win in 2016. And then when he did, we had the two years of, uh, of the Russia freakout, which revealed absolutely nothing and, and was later admitted to be completely made up by the Clinton campaign yep. and um, so of course when when the when it goes the way that it's supposed to according to the elites there's no investigation into it and there's there's all this evidence is hidden you know what I mean if it went one way, if it went the other way right, and then all this video gets shown and it's like well there's no way to know uh, wh- whose ballots they, were, ballots they were stuffing in those boxes you know what I mean Yeah, it's weird
6: I believe it was the state of Georgia saying this video does not exist and we can't tell you why it doesn't exist.
0: Right, that was in, in Fulton County. We have correspondence like that from a lot of states. In the absence of video, and that geospatial data is key to decoding you know, what the greater scheme was. But in the case of uh, what we're going to show you now, what kicks it up a notch is that we have the geospatial data to support the video.
3: Let's talk about some of the videos. So we're going to show you a couple of different ones. This particular individual we have um, in a number of different locations. <laughs> the, uh,
1: have you seen Idiocracy? Yeah. Okay, this particular individual is unscannable. Yeah, they say particular individual like 50 times in the movie. Yeah, All the cops, there's yeah. particular individual.
3: <laughs> the videos. So we're going to show you a couple <laughs> different ones. This particular individual we have um, in a number of different locations at a number of different times. He's actually a mule. This is the official surveillance video of Georgia. Absolutely. And so as the person pulls up, they don't even bother parking. Of course, in the middle of the night. So why would they? It gets out, approaches the box. When people walk up with intention to cheat, they look around, they basically walk fairly quickly, they try to stuff them in, they try to get out of there. In this case, he drops a few on the ground, pick him up, stuff him into the box. Then he hustles back and hustles out of there. So this is what it looks like. It doesn't necessarily look like, you know, hundreds of ballots being stuffed in. You
0: don't need a whole lot of fraud, you just need a little in the right places over time.
6: Is there a way to estimate, or even roughly, how many ballots are being tossed into a box at a given time? It might be three or five or six
3: or 10 or something like that.
0: The idea is to stay under the radar. They're not done for the day either. They're going place to place to place, day upon day upon day. And so that will not show up in your chain of custody documents, your tracking documents that would identify a big blip.
3: I mean, they're not going up and dumping in, you know, buckets full of ballots. Uh, On the other hand, we've seen circumstances where it appears that buckets full of ballots showed up. There's one box in Gwinnett County that had a chain of custody document with 1,962 ballots noted on this. And first of all, that's roughly 10 times what we normally see. We sorted through the geo-data, found a few hundred people. Okay, well, that's pretty odd. We have video of all of this. And guess what it shows? 271 people approached that ballot drop box during that 25-hour period. 271 1962 ballots were deposited
1: wow so that's roughly 9 or 10 votes per person
2: per individual I will say I found that when they were saying the quantities I found that to be underwhelming when they're like 3 or 5 at a time you know it, it does add up because some people were visiting you know 100 drop boxes in a day uh, in Michigan
1: yeah but it's um, it's that they, they were their focus because if you well, their focus was on people that showed up to multiple drop boxes, that was the yep. only criteria they were looking for. There are videos, and Lavish brought that up, uh, I think, recently. I mean, you can look these things up is you know, not quite dump trucks, but pretty damn near vans pulling up with just boxes and boxes and boxes of ballots. Um, but that's not something you can use the geo tracking for because that would be one phone with a bunch of ballots, whereas this is one phone to multiple. Drops drops and yeah. the and the huge amounts of ballots were the night of the election after they stopped counting. the ballots they're talking about in 2000 mules were leading up to the election and the day of the huge the, vast ballot dumps were done overnight when Biden had that huge turnaround
2: and that's the damning the damn and that's when I think that's where most people were like, yeah, this is f- fucked there's something something wrong here is when they just stop counting in the middle of the night. Uh, Charlie Kirk makes that point early. Um, I think that's what let everyone to be suspicious, but I would actually forgotten about that. Um, until I watched this documentary again, I forgot. I was that at an Airbnb. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> um, I had forgotten that entirely. And, um, that was, again, I was like, Oh yeah. You know, I think it was really good that they started with it because I'm like, Oh yeah, that was fishy. And they're like, well, guess what else?
1: Yeah, that, no, it was crazy because I was at an Airbnb. Te- uh, my best friend, Lucas, he's a huge, way bigger Trump fan than I am, was t- was texting me. He's, you know, all psyched that Trump won. Wife and I are at this Airbnb, uh, this great little place out in Asheville, North Carolina, you know, just hanging out, uh, chilling. And I'm kind of, you know, probably annoying her just because I'm watching what's going on with the election because the, um, that like the night, that night of the election, right before we left, we had gone to, um, <coughs> or sorry, we had been uh, doing, I think Nick the Rat was on there, and uh, Paul the Book Guy hosted the stream, Dvorak joined us for a little bit, Jennifer Buchanan, Dame, James Jennifer, a uh, handful of people were all on the stream with us, and it was looking like Trump had won, and we you know, we go over to North Carolina, it's the next morning, and I'm getting like frantic calls and texts from my buddy like, what the fuck is going on? because Trump had won Pennsylvania, he had like Michigan and all these all these places and all of a sudden like they stopped counting and for 3 days it was undecided undecided undecided. It was like at least 3 days of that for all these swing states. And then all of a sudden they all went Biden after that. So if you remember it was like 3 or 4 days before they even called it for Biden. Yeah, the weird. fix was
2: in for sure.
1: And the fact that it took them that long, I mean that it was like I don't know. Um, Call it Barnes & Noble real quick before we close the show.
5: Thank you for calling Barnes & Noble Booksellers. We are located at 8029 Kingston Pike in Knoxville, Tennessee.
1: going to have to bleep that. We
5: are open to the public Monday through Saturday 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. and Sunday 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. To speak to a bookseller, please stay on the line.
1: Am I doing this? I mean, I, 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 We can both chime in. Okay.
3: Barnesville Knoxville, this is Jamalda. How can I help you?
1: Hi, this is uh, Richard and Charles here. We're with the Gallup Poll. Yep. Hello? Hi, this is Richard and Charles with the Gallup Poll. We were wondering if okay. you... We were wondering your thoughts on the movie 2,000 Mules.
0: I've never heard of it.
1: Oh, it's uh, uh. Well, as you know, we're from the Gallup Poll, which is a a poll about horses, about horses for horses, and the movie Two Thousand Mules is about horses, also. Hence the hence the name Mules.
5: I'm sorry, sir. I have a customer waiting. Is there so? Can I help you find a book?
1: Yeah. Do you have the book version of Two Thousand Mules?
5: Do you know who the author is?
1: Uh,
5: it actually doesn't come out until October 4th
1: ok uh, and you said you had a customer waiting yes sir could you put the customer on the phone we could maybe ask them about it
5: uh, no sir this is a place of business well,
2: I apologize But thank you and uh, you have say, a great day I have, a, I have, a, I have a, an extra book that I'd like you to check do you have uh, any books on tantric massage damn it Damn it! Uh, yeah, just trying to. W- I was trying to. I was <laughs> trying to work my way in there. I every everything I was. I was trying to get there. I couldn't. Couldn't quite get there.
1: I did, yeah, sorry. I. I, uh, I should have shut up for a little bit. I just had to work in the. Um, you know, it's Barnes and Noble Gallup poll.
2: Yeah, I like 2, that.
1: 2,000 mules. It's all horse-related, kind of. I,
2: when you said that, yeah. I was like, oh, fuck, she's going to hang up right now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, oh. yeah. I always like to, these days, I like to close the show out with a call. But, man, yeah, um, thanks for hanging, Dan. Millen- Millennial Media Offensive, every Tuesday, 5.30 Eastern or is it 6.30 Eastern?
2: It's uh, six thirty Eastern, five thirty Central.
1: Five thirty Central. Nice. Yeah, you guys are sure. doing good work over there, so keep it up. And uh, thanks for coming that. on. Thank man. you. Thanks for hanging. Yeah, this was a lot uh, of fun. Yeah, I'll have the I'll have the show linked in there. I would go longer, but I got to do a show here in a minute with Carolyn. We're doing the best of the seas.
2: I'm listening. I'm gonna be listening in.
1: And uh, right now, we kind of went into their time, but. OBDM, their 1,000th episode is currently live, people. So congratulations to them. 1,000 episodes for one of my favorite podcasts. I'm sure it's going to be good. Uh, I'm excited to listen to that after the fact. And um, so, yeah, Best of the seas coming up here in about 30 minutes. And after that, Nick the Rat tonight. So full night.
2: Let's get weird. <laughs>
1: Thanks, Dan, uh, We'll have to do this again. We have a little Absolutely. more time on our hands for show. 100%. Thanks Hell thanks for you yeah, me. man. Thanks for hanging.
7: Plato's allegory of the cave is one of philosophy's oldest stories and one of its best. In the story, there are people who have lived their whole lives chained in a cave, and they're forced to look at the wall Now, behind them is a fire, and in front of the fire are various shapes, people, animals, trees. And they see, against the flickering firelight of the cave wall, these shapes. And they think that they're looking at reality. But one day, one of the men breaks his chains, and he turns his head for the first time in his life, and he looks, and he sees the shapes, and he sees the fire itself and it's startling and he thinks that is real. Now I have seen what is real. Before I only saw the flickering shadows. Now I see what is real. But then he sees on the far side of the fire a passageway leading up. Curious, he decides to go up the stairs. And he climbs the stairs one by one and he begins to see the lights. Not of the flickering shadows, not of the fire, not of the shapes, but of the world itself. And he sees the world for what it is. He sees the actual trees, not the shadows of trees, not the models of trees, the actual trees. He sees the sky, he sees the sun. It all becomes blindingly clear to him. And he realizes that he has spent his life imprisoned into a false reality. We are told by the media what the world is. We are told by the media what is right, what is wrong, what to believe, who to love, who to hate. These are just shadows on the wall of the cave. And then the thought comes to his mind as he regards this beauty and he says, I must share this with the people below, with my friends, my companions, my compatriots chained in the cave. So he takes a last look to drink in the glory of everything that he sees and then with excitement, with joy, with anticipation. He turns back, down, into the cave. And he starts to tell everyone chained to the wall, this is not real, this is not real, these are illusions. And he reaches down and he tries to break their chains. And they do not thank him. They do not praise him, they do not admire his wisdom and his courage, they fight him. They call him mad. They call him deranged, delusional, disruptive, seditious, dangerous. And he faces the choice, the choice that we all face when we learn the truth. Do we stay where we are hated? Down in the dungeons, among the enslaved, mentally. Do we stay among those fixated on their screens who will not tear their eyes away from a manufactured reality to look at the world itself? Or do we go and climb those stairs again to imbibe all the glory and beauty of the natural world, leaving behind those who fight us for bringing them the truth? I say stand and fight. What is the glory of the world if we must drink it in solitude? What is the beauty of the planet if we must view it alone? We have an obligation, if we have seen the truth, to wrestle the lies from the minds of those stuck in the cave. The cave is the manufactured reality of those who would control us by controlling what we think. But fundamentally, you can't control what someone thinks because once they think, they are beyond your control.
1: Spirits strike me like lightning, read the good word, but it kind of frightening, frightening. God, angels, demons, fight. It's just heavy, man, got me tripping a bit, but I take another hit and I pass my peace. My homies break bread, bow our heads, and ask for peace.